to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. Angela, how are you doing today? You know, doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great. It's finally warm outside. It's not like it's winter anymore. Oh my gosh, finally. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it, it's starting to feel more like Florida here uh, than <laughs> Canada. So that's that's always you know a, a good thing. Yeah, we had January and then we had like three more months of January. Right. So I, I think we're finally getting to spring, which is great because Disney just announced today their kind of summer packages for their free dining plans. So if you book your vacation package now through July 7th and you book a at least a five-night, six-day stay at a qualifying resort and get a park hopper pass, you can get a free dining plan. So why haven't we booked it yet? I don't know. I just found out about it. So I wanted to talk to you. We can, we can definitely talk about <laughs> Let's that Let's talk after. about this off, uh, off mic. Yeah, we can talk about this after the show. But it's a pretty good deal. I mean, they do this, you know, not every year, but they've done it the past few years where you can get a free Disney dining plan. I typically don't like to get the Disney dining plan separately because I don't necessarily think they're a great value. You know, it tends to be a little expensive depending on where you eat. You know, it, you, you can eat at some of the quick service restaurants and pay less than what a Disney dining plan would charge you in a day. But if you can get a free Disney dining plan, it's potentially a great deal. Every member of your party gets two meals and two snacks a day. That it's you, worth it almost for just the snacks. It, it could be. You're right. A lot, what Some things that a lot of people don't know is it's not necessarily two a day and then you're done. If you're there six days, you get 12 meals that you can use at any combination of those days. So if you wanted to pay for three meals a day, you could do that for the first four days of your trip. So that makes it nice. You know, you and I, we tend to go off property sometimes for meals. Sometimes we go up to Universal Studios when we're down there. So you're not missing out on those meals if you don't use them every single day because you have 12 to kind of use across your whole trip. Oh, nice. So that sounds like a good deal. I think we might have to take advantage. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll definitely have to look into that. The other couple of pieces of news revolve around transportation down at Walt Disney World. So the one piece deals with the aging monorail system. I'm sure most of you have seen a few months ago that kind of viral video of the monorail door not closing as it was driving to Epcot. It didn't fully close, and just for a two-minute ride, it's just kind of half open. Wow, I did not see that. Sounds kind of like a little bit of a nightmare though for them. It does. And and somebody, you know, they got their camera out on their phone, took a video of it. It went out immediately. Everybody knew about it. So, you know, people were kind of, uh, you know, up in arms a little bit to Disney of, hey, you know, why is this happening? But those monorail fleets are 30 years old. They're kind of well past their life. The issue whoa, is- whoa, 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 whoa. Keep your comments about almost 30 year olds <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> true, true, true. In monorail years, that's much older. This is kind of like a dog year thing. You know how dogs, oh, okay. like, you know, dogs okay. are 10, they're really like 70. So a 30-year-old monorail is pretty old. But the worry is that the monorail, they can't really build additional monorails because it's so expensive. And so people didn't know, are they going to tear it down? What's going to happen? Uh, are they going to invest money into the new train since they can't expand the line? But it sounds like that they are going to be buying new trains. Bob Gurr was doing a Q&A. Distant relative of Aaron Burr. Gurr, not Burr. Oh, close, close. Rhymes, but but close. So he was doing a Q&A on Facebook and kind of let slip that the order is, is in for the new monorail train. So hopefully we'll see those soon. I mean, it makes sense with the 50th anniversary coming up that they would want a smooth monorail system going. Then the other piece of transportation news, and 
I'm very interested in this because I love technology, is the self-driving car test. So last year, the LA Times did a piece that Disney was working on self-driving cars to test on property to potentially transport guests. The- Wouldn't... Are they, they're still working on that despite some of the recent issues with the self-driving cars? So that's what, you know, kind of the question was, is with the issues with Uber and, and Tesla and some of the accidents, the tests never materialized at Disney. So a lot of people thought that initiative just kind of... They just kind of nixed it. Right. The minivan service came out in conjunction with Lyft and nobody saw self-driving cars. But apparently, uh, Orlando Weekly had a story that the, the self-driving cars isn't isn't dead that it's they're going to start testing this year behind the scenes with the cast members and if all goes well with the cast members they will move that out to potentially the minivan service with Lyft that would then be able to take guests uh so if this happens that's that's potentially interesting it's what's really interesting about this is it would be the first kind of large-scale self-driving fleet out there and why it makes sense at Disney World is because they control all of the roads within property. So a lot of the issues with self-driving cars is they need thicker lines to see or they need a very well-defined traffic pattern and path. And on a typical road out in a community, it's very difficult to do that. You just can't go painting new lines or you can't change traffic patterns. Whereas Disney controls the entire uh, roadway system on property. So any sort of modifications... They, they have don't to have to wait for the government to make any decisions. Exactly. So, how long that so, could take. I mean, Disney can make slow decisions too, don't get me wrong, but you're right. But anything they need to do, you know, they If they can need make, to get moving on it, they'll get moving on They'll get moving on, on it. it, exactly. They can, they can make it the optimal uh, testing facility for them. So uh, we'll be interested to see kind of how, how that rolls out. Yeah, that'll be really cool. So moving on with the episode today, like we said, is about our three favorite Disney characters. Okay, so when we start here, let's let's set some ground rules. So are we doing Disney characters? Are we doing uh, any Disney movie, live action, animation, heroes, villains? Kind of, kind of. What's my criteria here? Whoa, there, Silver. Slow down. All right. So the, there are basically three rules that I came up with, and they are. It can be Disney, um, live action, or animated. It so, is, so Disney, are we including Disney acquisitions? We are including, yeah, Pixar. So Pixar? I feel like Pixar has been so integrated for Dis- with Disney for so long that they're, they're a part of okay. Disney now. Um, what, about, what about Marvel or so Lucasfilm? In order so that this is not uh, an ode to Joe's love of Odin uh, and all things Marvel and Star Wars... We, I've, I am not including those. I'm sorry for those of you who love Marvel and Star Wars, but trust me for as, as so much as... So you're handicapping as, me here. So I can't yes. go like Iron right now, Man, Thor, Captain America. To give everyone sort of a picture of, a recruit, of our recording studio, I am staring behind Joe at a giant Captain America shield. One of my prized possessions. And, and uh, Mjolnir, uh, Thor's original hammer. So if... Yeah, Another prized possession. Yeah, so if, if we had those things included, Joe would just go on about that. And like I said, we will have other episodes and we will talk about that. So okay, nobody Un- get upset. understandable. But are we saying it's got, so it's got to be Disney. So we're not including any of the Touchstone or Hollywood picture movies under their other kind of labels that they're uh, uh, issued movies at? No. Okay, okay. 
And we're also doing Heroes Only. There will be a Villains episode as well. So we're going to keep this all good. That's fine. Or goodish. That's fine because you took Darth Vader out anyways with Star Wars. (laughs) And Kylo Ren. It's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So with this in mind, I kind of, I thought long and hard about this. And I, I try to think about what characters do I love most in Disney movies? Specifically I'm heroes. I'm interested to hear. So, and what I thought is, the characters I love most are people who are voiced, so mostly it's all animation, but who are voiced by kind of larger than life people in real life who really bring, um, you know, a certain level to the character. A gravitas. A gravitas. And, and make it memorable. Um, and, you know, and somebody with a very recognizable voice, recognizable talent. With that said, though, there's basically one of those that fit <laughs> that fell in my top three. Uh, two, actually. Well, not not for yours, but yeah. So so one. So yeah. With all that being said, all that build up, basically one landed in my top three. But by the way, hang on. I do want to set the ground rules here. Do we want to do tit for tat? Like you do your number three, I do my number three, number two, number two, number one, number one. Is that how we're gonna do it? Bounce back and forth like a bouncy ball? We could see. Yeah, we could. We could. We could. We could do about back and forth. I'll let I'll let you go first. But I just I kind of wanted to to drop that out there. And I think why I didn't really I only picked one of them is because there's so many that I feel like it's hard to pick, hey, which one's the best? Wait, wait, wait. wait. So Did I you picked, say you only picked one character? No, I picked one. I picked one of those people that kind of fit that criteria oh, okay, okay. of a larger-than-life voice personality. Well, since you're talking about it, why don't you just go and do it? Well, I don't want to start, because that's my top one. That's my top one, so I don't necessarily want to start with one. Oh, you don't want one. to stop with your number one. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to start with yeah, one. I want to start okay. with three. But I want to say it because, like I said, there's so many of them that are that are good I feel like it's hard to pick one. So I ended up picking other characters that kind of stood out in different ways and didn't rely on kind of those voice talents to really set themselves apart and make them memorable. So right. so with that, I kind of wanted to lay that ground rule because I think you'll be surprised with the ones I picked. Um, so I kind of want to see. I definitely know, I know 100% one that you picked. Um, I mean, and I'm- if you don't, if you don't, I am not, I'm not... If you don't pick the one I'm thinking of, I don't know you anymore. Is basically what it, is what it comes down to. So I'll, I'll let you go if you want to start I am with probably the least mysterious person on the world. If you so want to start, I'm sure you know. If, if you want to start with your number three. All right. So my number three, uh, I, I struggle with this one a bit because there are a lot of really great characters. But I was thinking about okay, what is quintessentially Disney? And one of the things that really strikes me as quintessentially Disney is um, the Disney princesses. Now, of course, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a really girly girl, and I really appreciate a woman who has some agency who can get out there and do things for herself. And there are two Disney, I mean, there are many other Disney princesses that are also good at having some agency, but there are two that really stand out in my mind. Um, The original, can you guess who the original one is? The original Disney? The original, I'm saying the original one that really shows some like real agency. This is a movie that. Maybe you weren't as much of a fan of. I'm going to say Mulan, maybe. Yes, yes. Mulan is definitely, and she's, I think, the ground rules for who, or not the ground rules, but she is sort of the But you're not person. picking Mulan. I am not, but okay. she's kind of the person that this character reminds me the most of, and this person is Moana. Um, 
And Moana that's is... That's a good pick. That, yeah, that's a good, a good That's pick. a good pick. I, I wouldn't pick her, but that's a good pick. She's so wonderful and inspirational, especially as a woman. And I just picture growing up and having Moana as a role model, which I didn't have. Mulan was my role model, and she served really well. But Moana, as just a movie in general, moved me to tears so many times. And a lot of that... It was that Lin-Manuel music, I think. <laughs> I mean, that had, that, had, that had incredible music. Um, I mean, the man can do no wrong. So it, it, uh, the, the music, the music was great. Uh, listen, listen soon for our Strictly Hamilton podcast coming, coming soon to uh, iTunes. Just kidding. Okay, so anyway, back to this. Uh, she is part of this new revolution of Disney princesses who do the saving as opposed to always being saved, which I love. She is flawed. She is not a perfect woman, which, again, I think a lot of the past Disney princesses, again, a while ago, but they are the prize to be won. They are perfect. They're beautiful. They're smart. They're kind. They're everything. And I'm not saying that Moana doesn't have a lot of those characteristics. She is all of those things. But she also does say some things and do some things that make her a little bit less perfect. So, for example, when she raves about the pork in front of Pua and kind of offends him, hurts his feelings, uh, that's a little example of how she sometimes just says stuff. Um, I can't relate to that at all. (laughs) But um, I think that I think kind of what you're getting at brings up a good point of kind of the sea change in a lot of the Disney animation movies that have had a lot of strong female main characters yeah, who are going through the journey themselves. I mean, Frozen a few years ago was you know about two sisters. You know, they, they didn't need saving. They were kind of the ones driving the action and the conflict and going on the journey themselves. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But yes, you're right. Uh, okay. For the most part, you're for, right. For the most part, you know, Brave. Had a, had a, uh, oh, yeah. I didn't mention Merida, but she also is another excellent right, character. Right. Um, she definitely deserves to be named with Mulan and Moana. Right. And now, and now you have, uh, you know, Moana as well. And, and then they're doing the live action remake of Mulan. So, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of, you know, going to this, to this way. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing that she does is whenever she starts out, she doesn't know how to sail. Like she stinks at it. She's terrible. And she has to learn and learn from her mistakes. And she gets frustrated. It's a very human thing to witness her failing at this so much and see somebody, again, trying something, not doing well at it, and then persevering through it. That's a great lesson for little kids to learn and something that a lot of little kids need to learn. It is a great example. And it's a great hero's journey. I think you as an English major is probably why... You love it so Absolutely. much because uh, it's, it's it's a pretty textbook hero's journey. You know, she set out kind of by herself on her own. All her comforts are taken away from her as she kind of you know goes and sets sail. That's actually one of the reasons. You know, I read something because with you know Moana coming out fairly recently, that there was a lot of last minute changes, and one of the changes was that Pua didn't go on the journey with her. Originally, Pua Pua was supposed to be uh, on the journey with her. And I think it kind of makes sense because in the early marketing, he was really featured a lot. And then he was really in the movie for like two minutes. And also, he is adorable. He is adorable. But they, but, fe- they yeah. featured him a lot because he was only in it for two minutes. Because they made the change at the last minute because they said the hero has to go on the journey alone. Yeah, it's it's knocking her out of her comfort exactly. zone. So that's why that's why Pooh didn't go it's, and she's stuck with Hey Hey. Yeah, Hey Hey is, I mean, Hey Hey is He's, he's kinda, useless. Yeah, he's absolutely useless. Like you get the... Except for laughs. He's, all, good for yes, laugh. exactly. he's, he's good for laughs. Exactly. He is... Yeah. 
but you get the impression that she kind of feels bad for him. She likes him a lot, but it's not like he's oh, a, he's going to contribute yeah. a lot. Although he does end up contributing contributing quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, he, he does help toward I mean, the end, especially whenever yeah. he catches the the heart of the ocean or um, the heart, heart of Tafiti. Ah, that's it. Exactly. Okay, so. Um, Another thing I love about her, she's strong-willed, she's proud, she's confident, she takes charge, and eventually she does what she thinks is best despite what Daddy says. She really stands up for herself and does what she thinks is needed, even when her father, the leader of the tribe, says, no, Moana, don't do this. Uh, I appreciate her conviction, and I think that that's really admirable, and that's going to feed into another one of my points. Uh, she's also smart. She's ingenuitive. When things go bad, she picks herself right back up and she tries again, which again, like I said, she's a great role model. My final point about Moana is um, unlike a lot of other Disney movies, the more recent ones, uh, I had mentioned earlier that I was going to get back to Frozen. Moana doesn't end up with anybody in the end. Even Mulan ends up with Shang in the end. Uh, you think of Anna, she ends up with Kristoff in the end. But Moana it is completely her journey. She does not have to have a man by the end for her to be a success, which I think is, again, another really great example that you can have your happily ever after and still be independent. That's all I have, Joe, so you're up. All right, so I'll go with with my number three. My reasons for liking these characters are not nearly as in-depth as yours are. (laughs) Um, I thought about this a lot. I can tell... And again, I mean, you're 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 real into stories and kind of that theme. I'm starting to get more into that, so um, don't don't speak too soon. My number two is kind of. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying minor minor kind of more you know basic examples. You know, I kind of like something or I don't like it. That, yeah. That's kind of how I go. My number three character um, that I like is Baymax from uh, from Big Hero Six. That crossed my mind whenever you were mentioning it. I'm thinking, oh, that would be a really interesting left field pick. Yeah. So. I mean, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking of characters I remember from recent movies I've seen, and Baymax stuck out. Um, you know, he's there. He's just so lovable. <laughs> I mean, he he really is. He he's there for comic when relief. He pets the kitty. <laughs> yes, sleepy baby. Was it sleepy yeah, baby? I think it was like sleepy or, baby. Yeah, pretty kitty. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, now, remember, I remember we did that to our cat. Now you're sounding a little bit like uh, Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. I, I remember we did that to our cat, you know, for like months after we saw it. You know, we were, we were petting our cat. <laughs> we did it for months that, and now we can't remember yeah, what can't they remember. actually... Uh, that maybe came out a few years ago. But even though he has really no facial features... What they what he has does well. What They do well yeah, with what the, he has. The voice... Scott Adsit voiced him. Uh, if you're fans of 30 Rock, you, you may remember him from that TV show. But he brings a lot of personality to the character and brings a lot of comic relief. And ultimately, you know, Baymax plays a pivotal role in helping them. You know, he kind of sacrifices himself at the end of the movie. And I think it's telling how big a role Baymax actually does play in the film that I I found this uh, online. I thought this was interesting that actually in Germany and Japan, the movie was not called Big Hero 6. It was called Baymax. Oh, really? Yeah. So I I think that kind of you know, shows uh, how big a role he plays. And he's just, he's just funny. And he's just, he's a heartwarming character. He helps uh, Hero uh, on his journey and show him that, you know, revenge isn't always the answer. Sometimes you have to, you know, kindness and do things the correct way, you know, as they're kind of taking down the bad guy. So that's why he was my number three pick. You've convinced me that I want to watch that movie again now, because we've only watched it one time. 
Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great movie. We'll have to watch it again. Maybe we'll have to do a uh, a watch episode of it down the road. So. Yeah, that would be really cool. What's your number two pick? Let's see. If, let me guess. <laughs> let me guess. He's a pirate. <laughs> and and he's a captain. And and he wants to know where all the rum's gone. Yes. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Um, so Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, so Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh. So to start out, um, I when I talk about Captain Jack Sparrow, I'm going to talk about him from the first movie. I, I was going to say, this, is, this was my thing. I mean, he is a great character, but I feel like the later movies undid so much of his, his, his charm yeah. and gave so much of his history and backstory that nobody really needed, which is something that... Ha- and that, also mixed and muddled up right. his, his backstory. Which, which is what so many sequels do wrong is they give you, you know, backstory you don't need. Um, and I think, I feel like it just kind of ruined the character for me to an extent, but, but I'll let, I'll let you finish. Um, go, go ahead. Uh, that's the reason why I didn't rank Captain Jack Sparrow as number one. Actually, I did knock him back a peg because he even, I like him throughout almost all of the movies with the exception of the last. I, was, I know recent. you really dislike the last I movie. Very much. There's a blog entry out there somewhere that covers how very vehemently, I disliked... And I think the public disliked that movie as well. I mean, it, it did, yeah. it, it did terrible at the box office. I can't always go with the public either because a lot of people didn't like the fourth one, and I did. I thought that it kind of rebooted everything and focused on Captain Jack in a way that I wished the third movie had. So I, I would say that for the most part, I liked Captain Jack in the first four movies, except for the last one where he got kind of super bumbly and not not as brilliant as he was in the first but moving back uh he falls into my favorite character archetype which is the trickster uh so he's loki i thought you said we couldn't use marvel movies is this like a loophole that you came up with you tell me i can't use marvel and then you're gonna come say i'm choosing the trickster this all stems back to psychologist carl young i believe that's pronounced but uh it does he came up with these different character archetypes uh, that tie all of us together as, you know, humans. Uh, the trickster archetype appeal uh, appears throughout history through different mythologies and different cultures. So he, it, it's it's a very, very old role and there's a lot of characters that fall into this. So the defining characteristics is, of course, they're the trickster. So they play tricks, they disobey rules, they don't follow conventional behaviors. They do sometimes have a comedic relief, uh, a lot of times, I'd say. And they openly question authority and incite, uh, incite chaos sometimes. So I enjoy these kind of characters because they are so, like, rule breakers, and it's so opposite of the way that I am. So and that is a pretty good definition of, of Captain Jack. It, it, Definitely it inciting chaos and mischief. Yes, exactly. So... One of the, he is such a brilliant character and I love him so very much because one of the reasons is he is a very, there's such a good duality about his character. So he's a bumbling fool, but at the same time, uh, and he does some good slapstick humor things where he stands and it stands in contrast with his wittier schemes. And and, and, that, he, and that's the thing I think has always been the issue with the character 
is they always they try to walk that line of him being uh, you know a kind of a fool and not knowing what's going on and then him being this secret genius that's kind of playing everybody and they never want to put one foot firmly on either side and I think that's to the detriment of his character that he's, he's always he's always kind of bouncing back and forth like if they need him to be a fool he's a fool if they need him to be a genius he's a genius but then he's kind of only then average at both and he's never great at being one or the other yeah i i think that there were times where they struggled with that particular bit and uh of his but i think that it's a very it's a very clever the clever character construction because you think about it if you are a air quotes bumbling fool everyone's going to under underestimate you they're going to let you kind of do whatever you want. And that happens a lot with Captain Jack. They're just like, oh, that's Jack. He's drunk all the time. He, he, you know, trips over things and says funny things. But at the same time, underneath all of that, he's always scheming, manipulating, and orchestrating things from the side. And again, yes, you're right. Sometimes that he fails at that. But for the most part, uh, especially in the first movie, he's excellent at it. So, um... In Curse of the Black Pearl, when we're first introduced to the character, it is such a great characterization. I mean, the first, like the very beginning of the movie, where we see him sailing on the ship and he's trying to bail the water out of his ship. I mean, it tells us a little bit about him uh, as a as a character. I mean, he's not freaking out. He just kind of goes up to the bird's nest and he looks at crow's nest and he like looks around and then he goes back down, bails some more water, and then he parks his his uh, well, parks, I guess. I don't know if that's the correct terminology there. Docks. He docks his his boat. And the one guy who's in charge of charging people for the uh, for docking their ships says that'll be one shilling. And he says, uh, what's your name? And he says, how about us? What about three shillings? And we forget the name. And he said, welcome to Port Royal, uh, import, import Royal, Mr. Smith. And then as soon as that guy turns his back, Captain Jack steals his coin purse it was the perfect, like, opening. You get so much about his character just in that. It was ingenious writing by, by the, the writers. And I don't know, it just, it, it really encapsulates a lot of what makes Captain Jack awesome. My other most favorite, I mean, there are other cool scenes that show that Captain Jack has, you know, he is immoral, but he's moral. He saves Elizabeth. Um, but my other favorite scene is when he meets Murtaugh and Mulroy, which are the two British soldiers in the first movie. And they reappear again in the fifth movie. Uh, but he is trying to steal the ship on, at the dock. And he incites an argument between the two of them by telling them basically what he's going to do. So wrapping up, Captain Jack is just a super interesting character who has his own sense of morality, but he always seems to kind of come around to doing the right thing. And he's funny and has all of these really great quotable lines. But why is the rum gone? And you can always trust a dishonest man to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you have to watch out for. Because you'll never know when they're going to go and do something incredibly stupid. Now, I probably got that a little bit wrong. But he just has these great quotable lines. Makes him so memorable. But yeah, I'm pretty much done with Captain Jack. So Okay. You want to go for your number two? So my number two is Wally. I was really excited when you picked Baymax because I was like, Wally and Baymax are in the same thing. But, with my terrible, but Baymax is with my better. terrible uh, Wally impersonation there. 
But I was thinking about it, and like that, kind of going back to my earlier point of the, I like a lot of the Disney characters that have, you know, people voicing them that have kind of big personalities, but those weren't the ones I picked because there's so many of them that it's hard for one to stand out on top of the other one. What is so amazing about Wally as a character is he doesn't talk. And the performance is done completely with his facial expressions and his emotions. His little binocular eyes. Exactly. I mean, and he has, I mean, he has a binocular. And it's just so well animated. And I think that's what I love about the character. Um, you know, I mean, you can talk about it. I mean, it was a great movie. You know, it has a lot of different themes about um, kind of, you know, our overabundance as humanity and kind of how we're you know, slowly destroying ourselves, potentially there's environmental impacts and things, which it's a great, as a movie, it's a great, you know, kind of allegory or, or metaphor. I'm not sure which one is the correct term just, there. Just say both. Yeah, we'll say both of them there. But the performance of the character Wally is just kind of so moving and memorable because again, he, as you said, Captain Jack has such memorable lines, but Wally there are no memorable lines, but yet you still remember him. He sticks with you. Like you said, he has those cute binocular eyes. He's a very you know distinctive quality about him that you remember. And you kind of get that um, softness and tenderness. And you kind of, you understand what he's feeling and how he's alone without him having to say that. That he conveys all of that emotion to you. Uh, it's just incredible. And that's what really sets him apart from some of the other characters, because the other characters can use their their voice and their actions um, and play off of other characters in the movie to kind of convey what they're doing. But Wally, it's kind of like a standalone um, performance, and and, I, and that's why I just feel like you know, as, as an animated character, uh, it's just, he's just so compelling. Okay, so you're in love with the animation and. No, it, it I mean, almost, I mean the, it, char- the character, the, the performance of the character. They did such an incredible job with that character having him convey so you're everything. you the excellent animation of it made him a great character because of the emotion. Well, I mean, that's you can say that with any... I'm sorry, I'm a little biased against this one. You, you can say that with Moana, too. I mean, all, any of these animated yeah, characters no, right. all come down to the animation and that performance. Um you know, of the character and the writing, but it, it is, it's, it's just, he conveys so much without saying anything, um, that it's really a standout character. It's not something that's, that had been done kind of prior to Wally. And it's not really something that's been done since. I mean, it's very rare. You see a movie where nobody talks for the first half of it. So, and, and, the, and, the, and the character really, unless you go see anything. like GI Joe or a Transformers movie. So yeah, it's very rare that you, that you see that, um, you know, that you don't have the, the character talk. So that, that's my number two. I, I say it's a little telling that you picked two robots as your first two of your emotional state. That, you know, I didn't even realize that, that I picked, <laughs> that I had two robots on there. I guess I must be thinking about the upcoming robot uprising, uh, having, you know, having and watched Westworld, Westworld's their... back on TV. Um, so I think that's maybe the issue <laughs> after watching uh, Westworld for a few weeks. I'm kind of thinking about, um, you know, making sure that These the ro- violent delights have that violet ends. I think what I'm trying to do is in case the, the robots ever hear this podcast in the future, they'll know I supported that you're, you're them. You're a friend. They'll know I supported them and they'll potentially spare me. In that me. case, I love Wally. I See now, now you're thinking. So, <laughs> all right. So moving on, 
uh, to our number one picks. Angela, if you want to go ahead with your number one. Oh, man. I'm, I'm curious to hear who this is. I think I have a guess as to yours, but yeah. Um, so my number one pick, and again, Jack is very special to me, but I also, like, like I said, I recognize that part of the reason why Jack is so special to me is because he also appeared at a very vital developmental time during my life when I was a teenager and he was just kind of fun. But this character, he is just, he's so well thought out and I hate to pick two from the same movie and I hate to leave out one of my favorite Disney movies completely from my favorite character list, but Maui. I love Number one, Maui, Maui. Two from Moana. I See, I disagree with that, but go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. I, I disagree with Maui. But well, go I ahead. can make a better argument than, than Maui. <laughs> All right. So Maui's also a trickster. He falls into that. Again, my favorite archetype. He's definitely, uh, he's not less than Captain Jack, but he tries to take Moana's boat in the beginning and leave her stranded on the island. He's always, he's kind of in it for himself in the very beginning. He only wants to do what's in his best interest. And he he's doing everything because he thinks it's going to benefit him. But he has this excellent character arc that was so well designed again by our writers. Um, kudos to them. But he starts out as this jerk who's totally self-absorbed. He thinks every, like, he thinks the world of himself, you're welcome. Uh, but he, by the end of the movie, he's grown into so much more. He's more thinking. He's more feeling. He actually cares for Moana. So it's just this excellent arc. We see that he's, you know, misunderstood. And the reason why he's kind of turned into this character that he is is because he's been striving for human love and attention all these years so my problem with maui and this is kind of contradictory is that he's voiced by the rock see this is this is is so contradictory because you said that you like these larger than life characters it makes no sense the problem is the rock i was actually going to point that out as soon as you said it i was like ha you're playing into my schemes the rock is almost too recognizable he is such a huge movie star now that when I, he's, he's such a recognizable face now that when I hear him as Maui, it, it takes me out of the character. Cause it, cause I'm like, that's not the rock. Like I know what the rock looks like. You think he's too iconic. He's, he is. He's too iconic. I mean, now Maui, you know, does kind of look like the rock, but his voice is so, um, it, it's so recognizable and it's so, I'm so attached to the image, uh, of the rock in my head that it's hard to see him as Maui. See, I think it, it functions completely the opposite for me. I know right off the bat that it's it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and immediately a, a lot of my feelings and positive emotions and giant crush that I have on the Rock. I mean, not the crush part, but it's it's transferred over to Maui. Like I know the Rock; he has the strength, he has charisma that comes out of like every orifice of his body. It's crazy; it just like flows out of him, and then. He has this overflowing confidence and all of those things are Maui to its heat. So it fits the character so well. They couldn't have cast it better. It's, it's great casting. So that's actually one of my notes, uh, for why I love the rock is the rock voices him. Why you love the rock is the rock voices the rock. I think that's pretty accurate that the rock voices the rock. I think he meant why (laughs) you love, why you love Maui. 
but yeah, yeah, true, true. The Rock voices Maui. Uh, so the Rock voices the Rock. Everybody, you heard it here first. <laughs> I, I kind of want to pet Rock and then like record like the Rock. And name him the Rock. The yeah. Rock pet Rock. The Rock. So yeah. Um, All right. So, so hang on. Right. I I am okay. not done. I'm not done. So the last thing it is my last my last point about the Rock, but his tattoo is also a giant This tattoo reason. is a character unto itself. It seems like it's a character unto himself, but it would not exist without without Maui. So, so it's kind of one in one A. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, it, okay. it, it okay. functions to me as his, it's, it's, it's almost a ma- manifestation of Maui's conscience. So jerk characters kind of are hard to get behind. They stink a little bit, and Maui is a lot, like I said, of a jerk to start. So when the tattoo functions to sort of excuse his misbehavior because it shows that somewhere deep down on him in him he doesn't agree with what he's doing and his actions uh like the the scene where they jump down into the um in the like into like the volcano down to where they find uh oh my gosh what's his name tokatua um where they find the giant crab the shiny crab shiny yeah that crab so um when they go down there and Maui lands and he's like, oh, well, I, I guess that, I guess she's, she's dead or whatever. And he says, yeah, I guess she's dead. And then the, um, tattoo puts like under Moana's name, adds another strike. And he's like, what? Well, she's not even here. And then she falls right on top of him. Like, it's just little things like that. He's commute. He's comedic. He's a conscience. He's sweet. There are times where, like, I literally was moved to tears in the first time I, I saw the movie because of of that tattoo in Maui and everything. And of course, it shows also how important Moana is to the Rock in the end. Whenever the tattoo actually forms a Moana on his chest to show that he'll never forget her and what she's done. So, okay, so basically, you love Moana, the movie. So you pick two of the characters. I think that's a little. I don't want to call it cheating. I mean, we definitely didn't say you can't pick more than one character from a movie, but I think that's t- kind of taking the easy way out of only of just picking, hey, I like this movie, and then picking two of the characters in it. But that's, hey, you know what? That That's fine. So my... Whatever, robot man. My number one character, not a robot, and then this is going back to kind of the larger-than-life personality, is the, wait, ge- wait, wait, wait. the oh, genie from Aladdin. I guess. So, and I think really, I mean, Robin Williams really brought that character to life. They they gave him free reign to use all of his different voice talents and kind of comedic talents. And this, you know, this, Aladdin came out in the early 90s. They really didn't have celebrities voicing movies like this before him. I mean, he was kind of the first big name voice talent to kind of do movies. And then, you know, now you have tons of celebrities, you know, and big name actors voicing movies. But he was really the first one. And he did such an incredible job at it. You know, Disney didn't try to hold him back or make him fit in kind of some box. The genie was a character that was kind of made for him and he really made it his own. He had the show-stopping numbers of Friend Like Me and Prince Ali. It, it was really, Aladdin itself as a movie was kind of a grand show, you know, a lot of colors and it was a huge spectacle just in general. And having Robin Williams in that, I think, only helped all the more. And he's really just became kind of that heart and soul of the movie. I mean, if you really think about it, the genie is kind of a a tormented character. Uh, He's been trapped 
for yeah. thousands of years, even though he's an all-powerful genie, but yet he's kind of at the mercy of whoever rubs the magic lamp, but yet he's still so fun-loving uh, and helpful and really cares for Aladdin and, and really develops a personal bond and wants to see him succeed. And so, you know, as easy as it would be for him to kind of be jaded and kind of hate humanity. Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, it's a Disney movie. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be, you know, you know, come and try to attack everybody and destroy everybody. He's just such a fun-loving character. And, you know, I just think it goes to, to show that, you know, because of him, Aladdin was such a success. Now it's a Broadway musical. They're making it into a live-action oh. movie. And Will Smith is cast as the genie. I'm, I'm curious. Are you serious? See, yeah. I, I was just, I was action. just going to say, I wonder what they're going to do with that. In the live action. And that's, and that's, you know, coming out next year. I'm very curious to see uh, how that goes. I think Will Smith, now where he doesn't have, you know, kind of that uh, impersonation voice talents that Robin Williams had. Will Smith is a very charismatic person. Yeah, he's the cool factor. Yeah. And, I, and it's supposed to be more of an action movie and he definitely is an action movie star. So I think, uh, he'll do well in that role, but yeah, I mean, overall, just you know, growing up, loved Aladdin as a movie, loved the genie, and when I went back and thought about who are the characters I remember the most, who are the characters I like the most, genie was at the top of the list. Yeah, I think he's a good pick. So, all right, so, so I think I think we have, I think we had three good picks there, but I did look up to try to find some lists of the top uh, Disney characters to kind of see where we fell, you know, if, if kind of the interwebs, the internets, um, you know, agreed with us. You sound about 90, the interwebs. The interwebs. So. <laughs> There's a newfangled device that I have sitting here on my, on my desk. So I, I looked up, I couldn't find strictly Disney characters, but I did find two lists of top animated characters and the Disney characters were kind of up to the top. So this one list from Screen Rant was the top animated characters. So number one was Gromit from Wallace and Gromit. But then after that, uh, number two, so this would be the first Disney character, is Mickey Mouse, which I think makes sense. That's a safe choice. He's iconic. Uh, Number three, so this would be the second Disney character on the list, is Dory from Finding Nemo. That that would be my number four, I think. Okay. She she almost made my list. She almost knocked one of those characters off. And then... I couldn't pick which one, so she stayed And then the third Disney character on this list was the genie from Aladdin. So I think that's that's one point Mm. for me. Uh, I'm I'm validated (laughs) on that one. And then the other list I found, this was from Empire Magazine. Um, They did a similar list. They actually had Gromit as number one as well, which was interesting. I've never even seen I'm not not very familiar with Wallace and Gromit. But so number two on their list, which is the first uh, Disney character, is Woody from, from Toy Story. The next one on the list is Baloo. So that's kind of going way back. Blue, wow. Blue, yeah. To, to Who the did Jungle they Book. interview for this? I think this is kind of what they what they picked. And then the the number four on their list overall, and then the third uh, Disney character is Wally. So I think that's that's two points oh, for me. Huh, the way on. I see it, I feel like you just like scoured the internet for articles that agreed with you, so that no. you could say I have two points. I didn't. I did. I just looked these up. I, I again, I tried to find strictly Disney ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't. I didn't. I find tried to anything. find those, but they agreed with you. So then I found these other ones that would agree with me. So I'm just saying, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying they you know agree with me, but that was two that agreed with me and zero that agreed with you. That's beside the point, though. You, the, your characters are on the list. I mean, there's there was a list of top fifty. If we went through them, I think. All six of our characters would be. You, you know, probably also. On that I mean, think about it. Moana is not that old, so two of my characters are from that. And if you looked at that's articles that were written before that, then that's a good. I'm going to say that all of your articles were written before that. 
Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I'm not actually sure what the. Uh, so minus two points, plus one for a good argument. Angela wins. Yeah, I think I think these are older. So. That's the crowd cheering. <laughs> but let us know what you think. You know, who are your favorite Disney characters? Yeah, and I'm uh, sure. Do you I agree mean, with us? Do you disagree with us? Do you think I won the argument or not? You know, l- let us know. You can do that on our Facebook page. Or not. At, or uh, not. Enchanted Ears Let podcast. us know, but Joe didn't win. Okay, so we have time for a listener question? Sure. Okay, so our question comes from Chris S. She writes, she's going to Walt Disney World uh, on a band trip this year, but they didn't get park-to-park passes. So that, that happens a lot. They can only go for one day. And so they're having to decide between Epcot and Hollywood Studios. And she asks, what do you suggest I do? That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I would say a couple years ago, it might have been a little bit harder because I really liked Hollywood Studios. But as of late, I mean... My, one of my favorite experiences at Hollywood Studios was the art where they taught you. I don't know what it's called exactly. The, the drawing. Where yeah, the, the drawing, drawing where, where, where there they, was a professional yeah, they Disney taught you artist. It was like a half an hour thing and you, mm-hmm. you could draw and a Disney character. We did character. that like five or six times. In a row, yes. In a row. <laughs> so there, was no, there was no crowd there. Nobody really knew yeah, about it. Yeah, nobody really seems to want to do that, but it is really cool and you get that. I mean, I, I know on the plane on the ride home, I was drawing Simba and right. using that. So yeah, I thought that's it was all the, really enjoyable. That's, that's all the Star Wars launch bay now. Right. Kind of switch so over. it's gone now and a lot of things are being built there. So Right. I, I was going to say, if you're going one day, at this point, if you're going this year, Hollywood Studios, just avoid. It doesn't have much. Half the park is closed. Toy Story Land will be opening in June, but that's more geared towards young children. Um, there's Toy Story Mania there, but that has already been there before. But I mean, other than that, they closed half the park Isn't to build Galaxy's Edge. Tower there. of Terror is there. I mean, that's that's definitely a must ride, but it, it yeah, is. Yeah, you, you have a few rides. More at I mean, Epcot. You do have a few rides at Hollywood Studios, but I feel like you're going to go there and in four hours you could ride Tower of Terror. Right. It's uh, more of a. Aerosmith. And, and Toy Story Mania. It's more of a park hopper park right now. I mean, right now, yeah, you yeah. go there, you hang out for a little next few hours, year, and then go right, like go somewhere else. Next year, if you're going, if if you ask me this question, next year and Galaxy's Edge is open, uh, well, you may want to avoid that park anyways because it'll be so crowded. But Hollywood Studios would be the answer. But I think right now, Epcot's your best choice. Yeah, you definitely Soren there. You have Soren. You have Frozen, uh, which I still haven't ridden yet. It's a great ride. Uh, Test Track. There's a lot to do. Just walking around. I mean, you could spend half a day just walking through the different countries. And now that, like, you know, I'm getting close to a certain age and I'm getting a little older, I'm starting to find, like, I literally just bent a little bit and my knee cracked. That's how old I'm getting. But, so, the, so the thrill rides are too much for you. So, yeah, like, now I'm getting more interested in the food side of things. And Epcot is the food it central. Does have, it does have great food. And it's great I, culture, too, yeah, just thinking about all the countries. In the past, we never really explored, like, the foods of Epcot. So I would be, in, I'm interested in There's a lot of nooks that. and crannies within Epcot that... I don't even think we have gone in because if you go into all the different country pavilions, there's a lot that you can really learn about if you really take the time to go in there. And not to mention Japan. Yeah, Japan's great. That that's my favorite place to go. So, the so pearl I think selecting. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that's great picking your own pearl. So, but yeah, so I think right now if you're if you're going this year, Chris Epcot would definitely be the choice. So uh, thanks, Chris, for your question. And if you want to have your question answered, you can send it to us on Facebook. We're at Enchanted Ears Podcast or go to our website, www.enchantedearspodcast.com 
slash podcast question. Thanks for listening this week. I'm Joe. I'm Angela. Have Have a magical magical day. day.